Well, thank you, everyone, and uh, good to be back here with you this morning. If you would, turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel, chapter 7. We're going to look at uh, God's promise to David, but I think it's also a promise to each and every one of us. And uh, it is exciting to be here with you once again. And although I heard that earlier that Dan and Linda might be on the beach, I don't know which is better, uh, who got the better end of this deal? But nah, I'm I'm happy to fill in for him, and he knows that. And I'm just happy and glad that you allow me to come back and put up with me. So, uh, so we pray this morning that uh, God will bless each and every one of you here this morning. Let's look to the Lord, Heavenly Father, as we read Your Word this morning, and as we look into it, may the words that You put in my mouth be Your words, Your Your message that each and every one of us needs to hear. And I pray that we will, for the next few moments, just put away the things of this world that will distract us, the the hurts, the pains, the sufferings, and just to be able to focus upon who you are and what you truly want from each and every one of us. So, Father, bless your word this morning and bless me that I may be your, your messenger, your vessel that you use today. You would receive all the glory in your name. Amen. So I'm going to read beginning in verse 1 of Second Samuel chapter 7. And after the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a palace of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. And Nathan replied to the king as a a, a good friend would do. He says, whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. And that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying this, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up from out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, Tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men of the earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. And the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up an offspring to succeed you 
who will come from your own body and I will establish His kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for My name and I will establish the throne of His kingdom forever. I will be His Father and He will be My Son. And when He does wrong, I will punish Him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. But My love will never be taken away from Him. As I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me, and your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. You know, summertime is a time that we put aside in for all those projects that may have been accumulating throughout the winter months. And, you know, it's too cold to go outside and do anything. And who wants to go out in the snow? And we'll just wait till summertime. And, and you know, when we have more daylight, more time to do things. And I don't know about you, but for me, that never seems to happen. It always seems to, uh, my summers get busier and busier. And I want to finish projects two years ago. I've been kind of mulling over it in my mind that I have a two-stall garage, and right now it's probably 60 years old. It was an old pole building that my uncle built, and it has resolite on the sides and on the roof. Well, resolite's a pretty good material, but you, if you know resolite, after many years in the sun and out in the weather, it kind of gets hard, brittle, and starts breaking away. So there's a few holes around the outside. It's not insulated. And I run the in my mind, I thought, think I need a new garage, you know. And I've been mulling it over for the past couple of years. And I thought, last year my wife and my son finally talked me into it. And, of course, my son is a carpenter, so he was going to do most of the work. So about the beginning of July last year, we says, okay, we got the list together. This is what we need. And I says, all right, so now when are we going to do it? Well, it ain't going to be in the summertime. We'll wait till fall when it's cooler. I'm not working out in the heat. All right. About three weeks later, he comes up to me. He says, Dad, I think you need to reconsider. And I says, what do you mean? He says, well, the price of wood went up 30%, and it's supposed to go up more. I said, you know what? I kind of had that feeling the Lord has been trying to say, no, not now. So I says, I'm okay with that. We'll postpone it. Well, you know what the price of lumber was this spring. It has come back down. Uh, a sheet of OSB last year at work, we were buying it for about nine bucks, seven, nine bucks a, a sheet. Well, there in the spring, it was about 90 bucks a sheet. And now it's back down to around 40. So it's coming in the right direction. I don't know if it ever get down as low as what it has been. But, you know, it was one of those deals where me was saying I wanted it. I thought I needed it. I still think I do, but God's saying, just wait on, you know, just hold on. But we get that way, don't we? We think that uh, we want to do things. We want to better ourselves. We want better things in our lives. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. We all have those tendencies. But do we really focus on, is that what God wants for us? And you know, when we look at our lives, our spiritual lives, we can say the same thing. We try to put on this righteous show and do, I'm going to do this for the Lord and this for the Lord. 
But do we take the time to say, God, is this what you want me to do? And I admire our story in our story today. Nathan, he was a good friend. You know, he was a prophet. He spoke to God and, and Nathan was supportive of David, had been all his life. And, and God had blessed David. You know, he had won all these battles. It says that he had taken away all his enemies before him. So he was excited and he thought, wow. And then he says, here I am living in this beautiful palace. If you read the cap- chapters before this, it says that, that the, the enemies actually provided the cedar and the lumber to, to help him build a palace for himself. And, and he was excited about it. And David's living in luxury. And rightly so. He's king. He's been victorious. God has blessed them. And with all good intentions, but I think a little bit of pride, he says, you know what? I'm going to build a temple for God. I'm going to build this elaborate place of worship. You know, in, in the previous chapter also, he went down and brought the, the ark up from um, Bala of Judah to bring it up to Jerusalem. And we know along the story, along the way, uh, he was bringing up and it's almost tipped over. And one of the guys out in front touched it to keep it from falling over. You know, the oxen had stumbled and the Lord got angry at him and killed him on the spot. So it sat for like three or four months down in, in the house of Obed-Edom in the city of David. It was at his house. And, and this was bothering David. He says, wait a minute. The Lord deserves better than that. So him and Nathan, they, they said, yeah, that's a good idea. But did you ever have that where you start something and all of a sudden it just doesn't feel right? You think, eh, maybe God's trying to say something to me. I want us to notice today in our, our passage, there's, there's five aspects of our worship to God that kind of brings our relationship with God out and it kind of causes us to really look at ourselves what is our worship? Where are we at? Are we following God or do we want God to follow us? You know, even in our Christian walk, as we grow and we mature in the Lord, we can get that way. We can get ahead of the Lord and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to take off. Lord, come on, come on, Lord, catch up. And every once in a while, the Lord has to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. So the first aspect is our aspect of our attention. In verses 5 and 7, it says this, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says, Are you the one to build the house for me to dwell in? Have I not dwelt in the house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt? I have been moving from place to place within a tent, my dwelling Wherever I moved with the Israelites, I didn't ever say to any of the rulers who commanded my shepherd, my people Israel, why have you not built me a house? You know, God is an awesome God. He's ruler over all. He created the heavens and earth. And and when you read about it, it, I just read in Exodus about the building of the tent. 
You know, he brought them out of Egypt and he did ask them to build them a tent. But it wasn't so that he had a physical place to live. But it was more of the fact that he wanted something visible for them to see. You know, we come to church, we come to nice buildings, and we're very blessed here in the United States that we can come to a nice building like this, or LifePoint, or wherever we worship, and say, yes, this is God's house. And we truly want it to be the Lord's house. But we got to remember, God doesn't live in here. The church is not these four walls and the roof. The church is right here. And he gave the, the Israelites very strict in, instructions on how to build this tent, how to sew all the, the skins together and the, the beautiful silk and even down to the beautiful robe that Aaron was to wear as the high priest. And he built this elaborate tent, the ark, and he gave a couple gentlemen the skills. And I admire this when I, I read about that. And it, it says, you know, did you ever thought, stop and think back in the beginning, back in Adam and Eve, how did they ever figure out how to forge stuff? You know, one of the, I'm in the foundry business, okay? One of the oldest professions in the world. Literally, when you go back and, and you read about it in the Old Testament, there's only farming and one other, I think, that's older. We won't discuss that one. But it's like, how did they get this knowledge? But God told Moses, he says, listen, I'm going to give you two gentlemen that are highly skilled in that craft. They built the Ark of the Covenant, so many cubits by so many cubits by so many high. And they built this elaborate lid that goes on it, and it's all plated in gold. The two cherubim. And it was all beautiful and well done and constructed the way God had instructed them to. But they were just ornaments. Until everything was put together, the tent was put together, and everything was in place. And then what happened? Didn't God descend upon it? And he hovered above the Holy of Holies, above that Ark of the Covenant. That's where God positioned Himself to show His people He is there. But mind you, it was just a physical place that the Israelites could see and recognize the the fire at night and the cloud in the day. And as beautiful as it was, God never intended it to be the only place that he lives. And we're going to see that. And that's why he's looking at a David and he's saying, wait a minute, David. Did I tell you, oh, I'm tired of living in this tent? Did I ever tell you that, you know what, this is getting old. Build me a building. No. He wanted the place of worship, the tent of meetings, to be a place that people would come with their minds and their hearts focused on worship to the one true God. Don't get distracted by the building. 
Don't get distracted by our, our works of righteousness. Where's our worship today? Is it focused on our hearts and on God alone? Or is it on this building? Is it on, hey, he's doing a pretty good ministry. I want to follow him. You see, God was getting David's attention and saying, wait a minute, David, don't focus upon what you want to do. But focus upon what I want you to do. Keep your mind, keep your eyes, your hearts focused upon Him. Upon the inside. And not on the outside. God is so good and loves us so much. Does that mean He doesn't want us to have nice things? No. But you look in the New Testament, go to the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, it says this, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, you are bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. You see what happened here? You have the Old Testament, the Ten of Meetings, and, and Solomon builds this elaborate temple. But what happened at the crucifixion? The curtain was torn from top to bottom, right? Signifying not that man separated it, but that God split it and says, this is only a place, a symbol. It was never meant to be where I wanted to live. Here is where God lives. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and believe in Him, it says that once we receive Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. He lives in us. This is God's temple now. And what's amazing about it, when you look at, I said about how He told Him and gave Him all this elaborate instruction, right down to the pins, the pegs that held the tent in the ground. Told Him how to build them. We're all different. None of us look alike. Yeah, you may say, hey, I saw your twin the other day, you know, maybe some of you have twins or part of, but whatever, but we're still all different. And when I look at this and I say, God gave specific instructions how to do that. But now we're God's temple. Wow. God gave specific instructions. How you were knitted in your mother's womb. Your personality. Your looks. Your love. All these things. Everything about us was designed and crafted by the master craftsman. God our Father. Wow! You know, you, you, he gave them a, an image of the temple and of the tent of meetings and the Ark of the Covenant and all these beautiful things. But now he's telling us after Jesus was crucified, listen, you're the temple. You're just as beautiful to me, to God. Don't think of yourself less. But with that same respect, we need to keep focused upon God. You see, like me in my garage, yeah, I'd love to have a nice garage heated a little bit, you know, a cement floor. 
But in Matthew, Jesus says, don't worry or be anxious about the little things, the material things. He goes on in chapter 6 and says, seek the kingdom of God first and all these other things. I kind of put the garage, I'm waiting for the Lord to say, okay, Gary, here it is. I'm going to get you a garage. I know I dream big, but I have a loving father that I can dream big, right? And if I don't get it, I'll still survive. I'll still serve him. But remember, in Matthew 22, verse 37, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your body. He's saying, David, I want your attention to focus on me. I'll take care of this. I got bigger plans for a temple than you can ever imagine. The second aspect is the aspect of our appointment in verse 8. And I love this. I kind of relate to this myself. And it says, Now then, tell my servant David this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. And it's kind of like a sweet rebuke. You know, not a shame on you, but just a reminder. And God does that throughout his, his scripture, throughout his word. He constantly reminds us, wait a minute, who's in charge here? He says, I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off your enemies from before you. I love that because I'm just a a farm boy. I'm the youngest in my family of five. I'm also on my dad's side, the youngest grandchild of probably 20 or 30 of us. And I'm thinking, who am I? But God chose me out of all my family members to be a pastor. He chose me to lead the flock. He called me out when, you know, when I I thought about when I was graduating, do I want to be an airplane pilot or a pastor? And I didn't do either one. But God never lost sight of me. God never lost hope in me. He had a plan. He just had to get me on board along with his plan. God has a plan for each and every one of you with your uniqueness, with your skills, with your talent. Wherever you are, God has a purpose for you. If God is dwelling in us and we're His temple, then we should be where people see God, right? They saw it over the Ark of the Covenant in a pillar of cloud in the day and fire by night. It was pretty obvious. Is your faith obvious to people? When you leave, do they say, wow, what's different about him? I want what he has or she has. You know, last week I had doctor's appointment. Check up and checking out a few things. And with modern technology, you know, with Facebook and text message and our cell phones 
every day I got like a message. Reminder, you have a doctor's appointment on Thursday morning at 8.15. Yeah, 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 I know it, I know it. Used to be in the old days, you they sat there and you made an appointment. Is he going to show up or not? Are going to show up? But now they're reminding you, you know, if you're not going to make it, please let us know. But sometimes we have a dentist appointment and, hey, I'm going to cancel that one. It's just cleaning. I don't need it now. Until your tooth is thumping and you're like, oh, why aren't you there at 9 o'clock at night? You know, God hadn't made an appointment with you. Maybe it's your salvation. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ yet as your Lord and Savior. And he says, I'm calling you. Today is the day of salvation. Are you ready? Don't postpone it. See, God has a plan for each and every one of our lives, and He's asking us to be there with Him. Maybe God's calling you to be a missionary, a prayer warrior, an elder, a mentor. Someone to walk alongside of a a young kid. And believe me, if God calls you to that, don't take that lightly. Our world, our kids today need to know Jesus. They need to know what it's like to to live in this world and walk with the Lord. Because that's not easy. We all struggle. We all stumble with that. But God's saying, come on. Got this. So don't postpone your appointment. If God is calling you for something, He will provide the way. Trust in Him. Believe in Him. Our third aspect is our armor in verse 9. And it's amazing, isn't it? He says, I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great. Wow. You know, we don't always see how many times God has gone on before before us and spared us of a tragedy, spared us of something that was could have been detrimental. We take it for granted. A friend of mine over at uh, LifePoint this past week, he posted on Facebook on Monday, I think it was. He was coming home from work, and he only had to go three miles from work to home. And his front wheel fell off his, his Jeep. And he says, I didn't panic. He says, all of a sudden I go, <clears throat> and he says, next thing I look, and there goes my wheel down through the woods and up over He said nobody was hurt. His neighbor had just built a nice new garage and the only thing that stopped the tire from going slamming into that garage was a wire chain link fence. But he wasn't hurt. Nobody was coming the other way that... You see, so many times God protects us, even in the little things. I I am amazed that when you look at the Israelites and they come out of Egypt... And every time that they came to a rough spot, what'd they do? Oh, Lord, you brought us out here to die. You really think God's going to allow you to go through a rough time? Just say, ah, I'm sorry, I'm done. That's not God. 
He's going to protect you. He's bringing you through that rough time for a reason, for a purpose. And you know what? He tells us to put on the full armor of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Folks, we are fighting a spiritual battle today like we've probably never seen before in our lifetimes. And Satan is throwing everything at us. We need to be faithful. We need to be putting on the full armor of God. And notice there's nothing for our backsides or our back. Because God says, no, you need to be on the offensive. We need to be taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world around us. And not just sitting on our clusters. The church is nice, but I believe the church has fallen short in the last 50 years because we've gotten inside our four walls, inside our buildings, and while the world around us is crumbling. And we say, but we got it nice in here. No, we need to be taking it to the marketplace, to our place of work, to our place of, of friends. God's going to protect us. Does it matter? mean that we won't face Persecution? No. And I believe the time is coming when for me to stand up here and preach God's Word and preach it honestly, verse by verse. I may be persecuted for that. But that's okay. I'd rather die for God than live for this world. You see, God is trying to say, David, I want your attention. Remember, I brought you out. I protected you. I gave you victory over all your enemies. And now you're trying to get ahead of me. Have you girded up with the the belt of truth? The breastplate of righteousness? Feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and prayer in the Spirit. You know what? Even if God has just called you to be a prayer warrior, there's no greater calling. Every Saturday morning, a bunch of men get together at Mars Lines. And and yeah, we have a good time of fellowship. But you know what? Those men care and are praying and lifting that church up. Do you lift your pastor up? Do you lift your church up? Do you lift one another up? We need the prayer. He finished off that list of armor and it says, followed up at the end and it says, and the prayer in the Spirit. Folks, we need to be desperately on our knees and praying that God will provide the victory. I can't tell you how many times we don't fully understand how much we hinder God from doing something because we get in the way. We want to do it our way instead of allowing God to do it His way in a more miraculous way. You know, this idea of, of being prepared and recognizing that God's in control. What happens in just a few short chapters after this? You know, here's David, a man of God, a man after his own heart, we read in Psalms. But yet, in a few short chapters, in a short period of time, David falls into the sin with Bathsheba. Because his eyes wasn't focused, his attention, his heart 
And he didn't protect himself with the armor of God. The fourth aspect, and down in verse 15, it says this, but my love will never be taken away from him. As I look at it, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed before you. Wow. There's another real life picture right there is God raises up, puts in power those he wants, and he takes down those that he chooses. But our fourth aspect is our affection. Do you love the Lord? God is love. You know, when we look at Him, we can't say, I'm going to do this or that. You can't go out and witness to somebody if you don't genuinely love and your heart burns because that person may die and go to hell. We can't say, ah, that's okay. Oh well, that's what He deserves. That isn't what God's calling us for. I believe He hasn't come back yet because there's still people that need to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I pray that you do. But if you're not here, if you're here this morning, you don't know, don't wait. I just prayed for a gentleman over at Light Point. He says, a friend of his, a young kid, and he says, I have a friend. He says, I want to go to hell. I don't care. That's sad. They think it's a big party and it's not. Without God's love, John 4.12 says, if we love each other, God lives in us. You know, we can't preach God's word. We can't witness to somebody. We can't tell them about Jesus if we first don't love him ourselves and he lives in us. And he says to David, I will put my love in you and it will not be taken away like I did to Saul. And the last one is, fifth aspect is our award in verse 16. It says, in a kingdom, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. You know, it's like in a game show. Remember the, the one, um, let's make a deal. And they had the three doors up in the front. Did you want door number one? Door number two? Door number three? I'll go with door number three. You're right. You won the grand prize. Well, in our faith, I don't look at it as a grand prize, but the biggest award that we can get is eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. Because you accepted him. We live for him. And he puts us all together and he says, David, this is what's going to happen. Don't worry about the temple. I already got the temple planned out. In these previous verses before 15, in 13 and 14, it says this. He says, he is the one who will build a house for my name. He's talking to Solomon, but I think he's also talking... In the future as well. Because who is Jesus Christ? But isn't he from the lineage of David? You follow the genealogy down there. Yeah, he's from David. 
Who's the temple? Right here. Yeah, he's going to build another temple. But what happened 70 years after Christ was crucified? The temple was destroyed once again, right? For about the third or fourth time. And it hasn't been rebuilt. God don't need a physical building. What He needs is this body to be His temple. And for us to focus upon it. And it's talking about Jesus Christ here. And He says, He will be flogged and punished with the rod of men. You see, God was further down the road than just a temple, just a building. God has painted a beautiful picture here for each and every one of us. A picture that, that gives us hope, a place of worship. It means that we can come before Him and realize who He is. Our attention that is focused upon Him. That He has called you. Our appointment. He's called each and every one of us. Have you answered that call? He says, if you go with me, I will protect you. I will give you that armor. Because I love you. Each and every one of us. And, and this boggles my mind when I sin and when I do something wrong. I can still hear God say, but I still love you. But why, Lord? I don't deserve it. But I still love you. So much that I set my son, Jesus Christ, so that my spirit can indwell in me. That's the love that God has for us. And he says, and show you how much I really, really love you. You're going to spend eternity with me. Wow. We get so caught up in our material things, our ministries, our um, righteous works, Funny, Paul says something about not by works of righteousness which you have done, but according to God's mercy, he saved us. He's telling David, don't get focused upon the building. Focus upon the Spirit, God himself. I ask you today, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? If not, no better time than right now. Have you answered his appointment of maybe he's calling you to start a ministry, a, a something, even be a prayer warrior? Have you answered that? Don't think that he's going to leave you high and dry and just, okay, go do it. Now you're on your own. No. God goes before us. He goes with us. And He protects us from behind. Just like a God always was, He is and will be to come. He's with you now. Allow His love 
just like the sun shining now. You know, it was kind of overcast, cloudy morning, threatening of rain. But the sun is always there. It might be hid behind a cloud, but the sun is always there. Jesus Christ is always there for us. You receive the blessing. Is God talking to you to say, come on, I got greater things for you. Follow me. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, for your message, for opening my eyes to what you want and expect out of each and every one of us. We come here this morning and, and some of us may be broken. We have going through some trials and struggles. And Lord, we just need our armor shined up a little bit, tightened up, our sandal straps taken to the next, next notch. Our belt maybe needs snugged up a little bit more. Our shield polished a little bit more. But Lord, we come to you humble and broken. But we expect great things. This temple is just temporal. As all the other temples have been. And, and one day you will call us home. And I pray when that day comes that we will hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Father, be with us today. In your name I pray.